911, what's the nature of your emergency? Traffic, identify yourself. Welcome to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and I am very grateful because we were able to bring Mr. William Wheeler back on our show. William, how are you? Good. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. In our last interview together, you had the opportunity to showcase some of some of your own thoughts and your own experience as it pertains to PTSD and really living the life as an officer and how some of these symptoms just come up naturally and it's okay to not be okay, essentially. So I thank you for sharing that. And as you listen to this, I know that the audio that you just heard was probably shocking and maybe a little bit confusing. And that's audio that William has shared with us. And William, if it's okay, if you just start wherever you're most comfortable explaining what happened during that situation. Yeah, so that so the audio that you listened to was my uh, radio traffic at the time. I was a deputy for the Pottawatomie County Sheriff's Office. It's here in the, located in central Oklahoma. Um, I had, it was January 31st, 2015. I had had a reserve deputy riding with me that night. It was particularly a quiet night. We had um, got a call that there was an overturned semi off um, Interstate I-40. So we responded to it. As we got closer, I had some travel units that were trying to locate it too, and they couldn't. So I advised my dispatch I was going to go a little bit further across county line into Seminole County. Um, as I crossed, I could see a couple troopers on scene. Um, so I stopped um, and I told my dispatch I was going to get out of my vehicle just long enough to go check on the two Oklahoma Highway troopers, uh, make sure that they were okay and they didn't need anything. And then I was going to head back into my county and go back 10-8 into service. 
Um, so I crossed the, I parked on the opposite side of the highway across the ravine. Um, as I approached, the first trooper that I approached was Keith Birch. Um, I walked up to him. I believe we said a few words. I can't remember exactly what we said. I do remember a trooper, uh, Nicholas Dees, walking by me. Um, probably within just a few seconds after Dees, um, Trooper Dees had walked by me, I had a gut feeling to look up, and when I did, I could see headlights coming right at us. <clears throat> and all I could do at that time was just say, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. Um, and as I, as I jumped towards the ditch, as I went towards the, to the ditch, I could hear an impact behind me. Um, I immediately turned around. As I turned around, the first thing that I could see was uh, Trooper Keith Birch lying in the field. Um, so I immediately ran to him, still trying to figure out just exactly what all had happened. Um, I ran to him. I tried to check him for any major injuries. Um, I knelt down by his side, his side and was holding his hand, and, and he kept yelling for Nick. See, him, him and Nick were good friends, went to the academy together, and worked out together, worked the same area together, and and he kept yelling for Nick, Nick, Nick. And at this time, it dawned on me because the time that I had left, left my patrol vehicle from the time I was yelling the universal code that nobody ever wants to hear, which is, you know, 1023, that we have an officer down. Um, I was frantically trying to get out on the radio. It dawned on me that there was another trooper there because from the time I left my car, from the time I was yelling for help, it was three minutes and 48 seconds is how long all this took. So I wasn't even out of my car for five minutes and all this took place. Um, as I, as I'm, this is all coming together now and I can look to my left and I could see somebody lying between a car and the semi. And, uh, this time I could realize that it was trooper D's and the impact on him was so hard that it knocked his boots off of him. What we would later find out that there was a distracted driver who was on his phone, um, updating his social media, actually had an in going out going message every 42 to 43 seconds from the time he left the state line of Arkansas from the time he struck the two troopers. Um, so what he had done, he was in the left lane. The right lane of traffic was completely wide open. Traffic was passing just fine, um, but he was too too worried about what was going on in his phone, and he made one of those knee-jerk reactions, went to the left, and ultimately hit two troopers, killing one of them on impact. Um, and they would later come back and tell me that I had less than half a second to get out of the way from reviewing dash cam. I'd have been struck by the vehicle myself. So that... Um, so just the whole scene itself was obviously quite chaotic. I, and I also had a reserve officer I, I had to account for. So, uh, you know, at that time, a lot of, a lot of training just comes up. I get, you know, you try to trust in your training and everything. And I, I tried to control the scene as best as I could. And all I could do with, with Keith was just hold his hand. And all, I just keep repeatedly telling him, it's okay, brother. It's okay, brother. We got help on the way. Um, as I'm kneeling down by his side and then trying to get out on the radio that we, you know, we obviously have an officer down and we need as much help as we can get. Um, so that's the, that's the general snapshot, uh, snapshot of to what took place that night. Uh, that's such a tragic thing. And, and you recalled it and replayed it in a way that, that really takes us there. And we're so sorry for the loss of, of trooper Nicholas D's. And can you share with us a little bit about how Keith Birch is doing now? Um, made a full recovery. Um, I believe, and I, I want to, and I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty positive it was a year from the date of the accident he went back out on patrol. Um, so he is, he is still Oklahoma. Uh, um, a highway trooper works the same area. Um, great guy. Um, one of the strongest men I have ever met. I know because I, I was set there with him. Um, and just the, I, you know, I, I try to, I try to tell everybody because I can, I understand perception and whatnot and stuff, but, and I try to tell everybody, this is not a sob story for me because nothing that I endured that night or went through or continue to go through will ever, ever 
compare to what the D's family had to go through and what the Birch family had to go through that night. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm thankful to be a friend of Keith and I'm in, in the D's family, you know, Nick's dad, um, Bruce is a retired Oklahoma highway trooper, um, and brother Barry, you know, we've all become lifelong friends. We all stay in touch with each other. Um, and I'm thankful for that because without their support, you know, their support is a, is a lot in my healing process, I guess, you know, knowing I have their support and whatnot. Um, but no, Keith, Keith made a full recovery and, uh, he's still out there working. So, I mean, just one of the strongest men I know. That That's such a powerful story. And then something that that strikes me, William, is your level of adaptation and your desire to turn this situation and what you did experience. And I don't think that that it should be discredited that way. Like this was definitely something traumatic. And of course, not in comparison to somebody losing their life, but still involved just the same. And I know that the anniversary is coming up on January 31st. So can you talk us through a little bit about how you were able to really handle the aftermath emotionally of dealing with something like this? Well, you know, and this is where I'd like to be able to tell you that everything was fine and dandy, right? And like, and uh, nothing affected me. And I wish I could tell you that I was able to go to work the next day, but you know, it's, this is the reason I'm so passionate about the class that I teach now. And I continue to try to educate myself so I can educate others is because I know that without the help that was given to me, I don't know. I can't sit here and honestly say if I would have done something to harm myself or anything like that, but I could assure you that I would not be doing this line of work anymore if it was not for um, the help that was given to me and the people that seeked me out and wanted to give me help. And I'm thankful that I was able to latch onto that. Um, so, you know, from that, that night, it was just the night, the first, when it actually happened. So I think it was a little bit after 10 o'clock, maybe 1030 when the accident took place. Mm-hmm. of the semi and I say accident because what what the driver did was not an accident I want to make that very clear that that was not an accident the man committed a crime and and I try to steer away from saying that uh, at all and because it wasn't um it could have been prevented 1000 um, percent mm-hmm. but from but from that uh that night from so initially um you know everything is kind of like I said earlier everything's very chaotic at the, at the initial part of the scene so that happened about 10 30. I don't believe I got released from the scene until about 5:30 the next morning. Um, so we're out there watching everything going on, and I think the first thing, and what I, and what I when I speak to you, you know, the, the first thing that hit me was what they called survivor's guilt. Um, I had when my my undersheriff at the time was the first um, commanding officer within my my office to show up on scene, and I can recall vividly when he shows up that I, the first thing I said to him, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, "I could have done more. I should have done more." Um, because I had time to sit there and think about everything that just took place. And, and that's something, you know, that I know it's, it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life, but I know how to deal with it now. Um, and I understand it cause I've seen the video and I can, and I understand that there's not much I could have done, um, with the half, less than half a second that I was even given. Um, but knowing that I was so close to them, um, that's something that would always affect me. Could I, could I have grabbed, could I have grabbed Keith and what? took him to the ditch with me or got to push Nick with me, you know, all the, all those things. So that was one of the very first things that, that hit me. Um, and then one of the, uh, probably the next things that really hit me hard was the fact that as we're sitting out there, we start hearing, we hear, we hear other people talking, troopers talking about Nick and Keith and stuff. We start finding out that they have families um, because I'd never met Nick before. I'd never met Keith before prior to this. We'd worked two separate counties, never knew who they were until this night. 
Um, so we start learning that they have families. I learned that Nick has two daughters. Um, I had a, I recently went through a divorce and was getting my daughter every other weekend. And I found out that he had a daughter that was really close to my daughter's age. And, uh, and I remember calling my ex-wife and telling her I couldn't see my daughter that weekend because it was my weekend because I felt guilty. I felt that I wasn't worthy enough to see my daughter when Nick couldn't. Um, so, and, uh, so that that's another thing that hit me hard. And then just the initial aftershock of when I went home, couldn't sleep, uh, probably good three, four days before I could actually get a good night's of sleep. And, and I didn't, you know, and, and I, and I talked about the different things that people, you know, when they go to PTSD. So I, I wasn't one that, that turned to drinking or drugs or anything like that. Uh, my what I did is I went to the casinos and because we have a bunch of them here and, I spent a lot of time in the casino that I shouldn't have spent money that I didn't, I didn't have. Um, but that was my way of just staying away from everything. Cause my phone, obviously I was getting a lot of phone calls. People were checking in on me and I just didn't want to be any part of it at the time. I didn't want to, I, I wanted, I wanted to push everybody away. I didn't want to deal with anybody, especially when it came to close family. Um, you know, like my daughter, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I, I needed to see her at the time. Um, all things that I know now were wrong. I mean, I say wrong is that, um, it's not the best way I could have handled it. Um, but that's how I coped with it at the time. And, but it, but it took people reaching out to me and, and, uh, people not giving up on me and continue to look out for me and make sure I needed that I needed help. And then I needed to speak to somebody. And, and I'm glad that I did. And I, and I latched onto that and got, went and I've seen, seen the therapist and seen the people that I needed to see. Um, am I a hundred percent? Absolutely not. Will I ever be a hundred percent? Absolutely not. But, Am I, am I a hundred percent better than I was then? Absolutely. And, and I'm still a functioning member within my society. I'm still a family man. Um, and I, and I'm still a productive member within a law enforcement community and I suffer from PTSD and there's, and that's what I'm trying to stress and get out to everybody that it's, that it's okay. And that we can get help and we can move on from this. You know, you just mentioned something that you also spoke about in our, our last interview together. And you said that you're comfortable with telling others about the fact that you have PTSD. And in fact, that's how you start out your presentation is by letting people know. So what is it that you're doing now uh, as a mission in order to, to impact and help so many people that, that you are? I'm just, I'm trying to educate. And, and it's the same thing that, uh, that I'm, and not only educate others, I'm also, I'm, I'm like, as I advised you when you first called me, I was actually updating my PowerPoint this morning because um, I'm constantly looking for more material out there. And as I said, you know, three years ago when I started this, there didn't seem like there was a lot on it. Not that there wasn't, um, but I'm finding it more easier now, three years later, and it's becoming more prevalent in the society. I and mean, when people are talking about it more, we got people like you, we got um, other groups out there within social media and whatnot, and that are pushing this topic, which it needs to be, you know, we, we got to get out of the old school mentality and we've got to educate. So as I just try to go and share my story and, uh, you know, I do a PowerPoint presentation. I go, we have our, uh, Academy, our police Academy down here, which is called cleat. Um, so I'm very grateful. They've been allowed me to go there for the last three years. I go two or three times a year and I speak to the cadets the day before they graduate. And I, and I choose to do it the day before they graduate because I feel like it's one of the most important things that they're going to, they're going to know and they need to know about before they actually get out there in the thick of things. Um, and then I just offer my service. And of course, everything I offer is for free. I don't, I don't charge. I don't 
ever plan to charge or anything like that. I just want to get out there and help as many I can and educate um, as many agencies that will allow me to come and speak to them. Um, other departments, I come and, and put this class on for them, and it's you know, about a two-hour class, and it's mainly just me trying to share my story and personal demons that I have battled with, personal things that I continue to battle with, um, and, and just show them that, hey, you know, I made it, um, and there's no reason why you can't, and here's some things to help you, some tools, some extra tools, as we say, to put in your toolbox. Um, so mainly it's just education. It, it's, I'm, I'm a firm believer that this has to be and needs to be a topic, a subject that is mandatory in every agency within the United States. It needs to be. You have to discuss this. This needs to be taught, whether it's once or twice a year, but it needs to be touched on. It can't be ignored anymore. The last three years in a row, we have lost more to suicide than the line of duty combined. And yeah. we're well on pace, and we're well on pace to do that this year. Um, last year alone, we lost 159, 140 the year before that, 132 the year before that. All suicide. And, and it's not, I don't sit here and preach and say we can stop it all. Not by any means, I don't think that. But I'm a firm believer, though, if we're more educated and we know what to look for and, and we know and we have the courage, and then that's a big thing right there within us. You know, we have, you know, I tell these guys all the time, you know, I go to these classes, 20, 30, you know, men and women, right, and about to get out and be police officers and about to really get into this. And, and I tell you, you know, if somebody was to walk into this room right now and try to do, do harm to us, everybody in this room is going to stand up and do something, right? You know, everybody's going to get up and be willing to fight for each other. But why are we not able to do that on the mental side? And that's, that's the thing we have to change. And you know, we're willing to get in a firefight with each other. But after that firefight, why are we not willing to sit down and say, hey, you know, it's what we just went through wasn't normal. If you ever need somebody to talk to, I'm here for you. And it's as simple as that. And people, I think, get confused and they think, all oh, this has to be all lovey-dovey. We got to be all hugging each other and doing all that stuff. And, and we have to just sit here, you know, kumbaya kind of thing. And, it, it, and it's, it's not. It's just as simple as um, saying, hey, here's my phone number, man. You know, and, and, and that's one of the things that's within my PowerPoint that we go over the topic we do, you know, and, and I share a story of we had a, just a couple of years ago, we had an incident on here on I-40, another incident where a guy was going down the wrong side of the road. We get him stopped, silver alert, old guy didn't know what he was doing, whatnot. But as we're blocking traffic off, there's a McLeod officer, Adam McLeod, he's sending traffic off and I hear, all of a sudden I hear the screeching tires on the collision. That's about a hundred yards in front of me. Oh my so my instant thoughts were, oh man, this, this has happened again. Um, so as I'm sprinting down the highway, we would find out a, a drunk driver, not paying attention, T-boned the cruiser. Um, thankfully, the officer was not in it. He was able to get out of the way. Um, but it was. But what I'm getting at, it was simple as, as I went to him and I said, look, brother, that was a normal. You got my number. At any point in time you want to talk after this, you know, you can call me. And I left it at that. And, and it's as simple as just put planting that seed, right? Because you never know when that officer is going to be at the lowest of the lowest. And they may be thinking, nobody wants to talk. Wait, you know that one member, that one, that one guy or that that one lady said, "Hey, you can call me. Maybe I'll give that a shot." And you never know. But you have to at least have the courage to step up and say, "Hey, you know, this, something's not right. We need to do something." And yeah. uh, and 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 that's what I'm trying to stress to these guys that it's okay to do. It's not about diming your fellow officer out or trying to get them in trouble or anything like that, but. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to be in a position when it's too late. You don't want to be in that position where 
you look back and you go, man, all the signs were there. Everything was there. And, and maybe we could have done something. And I'm not, and again, and I don't, I don't sit here and preach that you can, I'm not saying everything's preventable by any means, but I mean, man, you know, at least try, right. Have the courage to step up and say, Hey, something's not right. Something's a little off about you here lately. Let's talk about this. Or, or let me get you somebody that can talk, that can talk to you. Um, yeah. Because at, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, your fellow officer, you, you know, I go out and speak to all these people and I may never see them again. Maybe we go to training together or whatnot, but you know, but as far as, Knowing you're going to know your fellow officer better than than I will, you know, and everybody else, and you're going to know what's normal for them and what's not normal, and uh, and like I said, just having the courage—that's a huge thing—is courage, and and you know we have courage to go into the these firefights and go into the most dangerous things that we deal with, um, but we're not we're not willing to do it on the mental aspect of things, and that, and that's what has to change, and that and that's my goal is just to get out there and educate as many people as I can, give them the material and. Um, and I hope they take it and run with it. 100%. And, and I can sense the, the passion for your goal and for your mission to share this with as many people as you can. And I'm so, so fortunate that you're here, that you're willing and open and really so raw and deep when it comes to these topics. And I'm so appreciative of you for coming on the show and William, if you could just share with the listener, is there a way that they can get a hold of you if they have more questions or they do want to be that person to reach out to you? Absolutely. Um, so I, my personal cell phone is um, area code 405-248-5804. You can uh, reach out. Now, I am one of those people. So if you're calling me from out of state, I'm probably not going to answer. <laughs> so you may leave me a voicemail. <laughs> I'm not, uh, doesn't mean I won't call you right back. Uh, but you can also reach me at Email. So I have two different emails that you can reach me at. Um, you can reach me at deputy, D-E-P-U-T-Y, Wheeler, W-H-E-E-L-E-R, and that all runs together, at yahoo.com. Or you could reach me at william.wheeler at da23tf.com. So two different emails you can reach me at. And, uh, and, I, and I tell, and I stress too, if, if you're somebody that's out there that's wanting to reach out to me, um, no worries. If you want to keep it confidential, we keep it confidential. Or if there's something where I can get you help within your fellow agency, um, that's what I want to try to do. So, but if you if you just want someone to talk to, by all means, I don't care if it's one, two, or three o'clock in the morning. And if it's something you need to get off your chest, please call me or or seek out the help that's out there. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. And William, I, I don't know many people that will share the resource that you just provided. And as you listen to this. This officer is, is literally willing to gift you his time if you need it. So I encourage you, if any of this has res resonated with you, and if you feel like you do just want somebody to hold space for you in a confidential setting, please do not hesitate to reach out and know that the strength that it takes to do something like that is certainly not the weakness that many have portrayed it to be. And I know that that is a mission that William and I both share to be able to completely change that stigma. So William, thank you so much for being on our show. And something tells me that this will not be the last time that I have you on here. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you so much for reaching out to me and allowing me to get this out on a bigger platform. Um, like, as I, I said earlier, I just, I just hope we can continue this and this becomes 
more and more um, educated within our department and departments. Like I said, I, I think it really needs to be mandatory and every agency out there needs to look to getting this in within their training regiment. Um, and it needs to be a part of it because every, and not just police. I mean, this is all first responders. This is dispatchers. This is, this is uh, ambulance. This is fire volunteer full time. All that any, anybody that deals with what we deal with needs to, needs to be educated on this topic. Cool. Thank you so much, my friend. And I will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you.